You know what drives you, what inspires you. You know why you're here today, thinking about your education and your career. But do you know how to get where you're going? Indiana Wesleyan University is a place where your dreams and goals are known, where you're pushed to excel, and you're supported beyond graduation day. Explore our tuition guarantee, our faith-integrated coursework, and more than 100 online degree programs. See how it's possible at iwuishow.com. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome into DC On Screen, your guide to the DC Universe properties on film and television. I am your host, David C. Robertson, and this, my co-host, the man who advised President Monroe to buy new dancing shoes for the era of good feelings, Jason Goss. Hi. Very proud of my work. <laughs> Those were good times. They were. Watching the two-party system die. Uh-huh. Thank God that never came back. Right. Um, good thing that never haunted us. <laughs> So this is episode 239 of DC On Screen. It is our first exclusively DCEU film news episode. So uh, the opinions are in, and the vast majority of our listeners want DCU and DCTV news split. So that's what we're doing. Don't ever say we didn't do something for you. We're here for you. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump off news with Kevin Conroy's favorite Batman. Uh, that's at least what they're... Uh, what they're calling it in the headlines, he was a little cagey, though. He said, Each actor brings such a different art to the character, it's really fun. I think Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne was probably the best Bruce Wayne. I think the voice he used for Batman was bizarre. He would know. He did say that uh, Ben Affleck's performance was wonderful. He said he does really well on both Batman and Bruce Wayne. And just to cap off this news, he says Mark Hamill was the best Joker. But we already knew that. So... That voice alone, even disembodied, I don't care if I ever get to see it live, was was <laughs> outstanding in its field. Mm-hmm. So, big news for Batman fans. If you are an HBO subscriber, uh, starting November 1st, they're going to be doing Batman, Batman Returns, Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and 2, Batman Under the Red Hood, Batman Year 1, and Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, the theatrical cut, not the extended edition. Okay, aside from the last part being we wish you'd do the extended edition, and mm-hmm. if they're doing it in order, I'd rather them do year one before Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all coming out November 1st, I think, except for Batman v Superman, which is like November 26th. Okay, good. All right, so they're dropping everything mm-hmm. for you? Yeah. All right, word of advice, watch year one and then hit Dark Knight Returns. Eh, you don't have to. They're standalone. They are standalone, and it's it, if you prefer to like see where the story ends and do a prequel, if you want to George Lucas it, hit it up that way. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you sure. want to just watch progression in time, that that would be the way to go. Um, but man, that's that's yeah. hell of a gift for HBO people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Laugh uh, your way so through the early stuff and then see it get real. We're going to jump back in time to uh, The Dark Knight uh, because Heath Ledger's home has been in the news uh, recently. It was apparently a creepy shrine to the Joker, they're saying. 
They're saying it was immaculately clean and organized, but there were clown statues, comics, literature on the Joker, and recordings of Ledger practicing the voice to make it distinctive. It just sounds like a method actor's house. That's what it sounded like to me. I don't know. I I would love to actually get a glimpse at it, to be honest, but... um... I, I would, too. Um, as far as... He had a neat voice. He had a neat take on the voice. I, I would like mm-hmm. to hear the development of that. That It would be kind of fascinating. Yeah, I'd like to hear the development before he just decided to do, do Tom Waits. Right. Um, <laughs> um, over to Batman v Superman, Frank Miller was asked how he would make a Batman film. And he says, My dream would be to make it much smaller... To lose the toys and to focus more on the mission and to use the city a great deal more. Because he's got a loving relationship with the city, he's protecting. And unlike Superman, his connection to crime is intimate. It has been ever since his parents were murdered. And he defeats criminals with his hands. So it would be a different take. But it will never be in my hands because it would not be a good place to make toys from. There wouldn't be a line of toys. Um, this is this is a variety interview, by the way, with uh, Nick Viverelli. So, uh, yeah. And uh, Nick asks him, is this how you approached it with Darren Aronofsky on the Batman movie project that Warner Brothers never made? And Miller says, that screenplay was based on my book, Batman Year One. And yeah, it was much more down to earth. In it, a fair amount of time is spent before he became Batman. And when he went out and fought crime, he really screwed it up a bunch of times before he got it right. It was a 90 minute origin story. Nick asks him, have you seen Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice? He says, yes. He says, what did you think? Miller says, I'll just say thanks. What can I say? No, actually, I'll withdraw that. I'll say you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many ways to take that. (laughs) It's Frank Miller. I think there's only one way to take it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Over to Suicide Squad. Michael Rowe, who played Deadshot on Arrow, recently reviewed Suicide Squad. He says, I was really rooting for that movie to do well and to be something special. It is what it is. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> now they, they, they released a Suicide Squad ex- extended cut trailer. Um, another one. Uh, it just It's just showcasing a lot more uh, Joker and Harley primarily. But we do get to see Katana take off her mask. So it looks like we're going to get a little bit more of her at least. Um, but again, this is only going to be, what, what was it, 11 minutes of footage? 13, 10 minutes I of footage? So. No, 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 no it was 11 and some change. That. Yeah, it was 11 and some change. So, um, they have announced all the different uh, Suicide Squad Blu-ray editions. So we're going to jump through those really quick here. Target has the extended cut, the Blu-ray extended cut, with a 64-page collectible digibook, a special antiquity, uh, and special lenticular packaging. Uh, the book apparently expands the DC Comics characters in a feature film with photography and custom cover art. The three-disc edition includes the extended cut and the theatrical cut of Suicide Squad on Blu-ray and digital HD, as well as the theatrical version on DVD. Um, it is going to be twenty-four ninety-five. The Best Buy version, there's a Best Buy version that has 4K Blu-ray. It's a steelbook edition. Mm-hmm. So that's... Uh, the 4K Blu-ray with HDR, Dolby Atmos, Blu-ray, and digital HD with two cuts of the film, $34.99. Best Buy also has a Su- Suicide Squad Blu-ray still book with graphic novel. <laughs> That's going to be 1080p Blu-ray with still book packaging, printed graphic novel, three-disc combo, uh, theatrical cut, Blu-ray with extended cut, DVD of theatrical cut, and digital HD copy is $37.99. Then we go to Amazon, who has the most expensive version, exclusive 
figurine versions. They do that. Oh my lord. This thing is $116.99. <laughs> Sounds right. List priced at $129. Um, <laughs> two disc edition with Blu-ray DVD and a digital HD copy with a Harley Quinn figurine or a Deadshot figurine. I think there's going to be a lot more Harleys than Deadshot, probably. Mm-hmm. Now, looking at the special features, we're, we're dealing with Task Force X, One Team, One Mission, Chasing the Real, Harley, uh, sorry, Joker and Harley, It Couple of the Underworld, Squad Strength and Speed, Arm to the Teeth, This is Gonna Get Loud, The Epic Battles of Suicide Squad, The Squad Declassified, and Gag Reel. So, yeah. And Moving right along. Special features are going to be pretty much available. The, the extra yeah. footage is available pretty much anywhere you're getting the, the good version of it. Mm-hmm. Moving right along, um, Christian Lawrence Schurer, who was a concept artist on Suicide Squad, posted a bunch of images online. Did you get a chance to see all of those? Yes. You saw all of those, right? Oh, yes. Well, consider yourself lucky because a whole bunch of them were taken down. That's a shame. It is. Um, it, I mean, it, it was inspiring, and it, there's a lot of it that I wish had stayed, and, and mm-hmm. God, his his Joker reminded me the closest to the, like, uh, Azarello Joker. It, it was really yeah. close now, to that thing, but man, it was gorgeous. Yeah. The artwork with him, okay, there's artwork with Joker carrying Harley. I think that stayed around. Actually, no, the last time I looked on his, on his website, everything but a, a very small selection of the Enchantress designs he did were up. But a few days ago, guys, he had stuff... I mean, it was a vastly different movie. He had one that was like... He had a couple of, of different... It was a few uh, dozen images, wasn't it? I mean... Yeah. 30, he had a couple that were... There was a lot. And he had a couple that was just Joker and Harley. It was Joker carrying Harley. Mm-hmm. And it was called uh, Wedding or something. Mm-hmm. Clown Wedding, something like that. And um, I thought I was going to be able to go back and get, get all this information, but I wasn't. <laughs> he, it was taken down. But um, this is like a classic rendition of the Joker. It does not look like Leto's Joker. Um, doesn't look like Margot's Harley. Uh, what's really interesting is that the artwork that was up right there on in the captions says that Enchantress is opening a boom tube. It shows her opening a boom tube. Mm-hmm. The SEAL team members had turned into parademons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there were, were clearly a lot of ideas pitched previous there were, to him I picking mean, up a pen. Yeah. And you know what? The, it, it had to have been, for concept art that detailed, it had to at least be a full script he was working from, I would think. It could be a treatment. Easy. I mean, it... Yeah, it was maybe, it was but, detailed you know. work, but he was also his particular style is very detailed. Mm-hmm. Uh, these but aren't you... just rough sketches of anything. It doesn't look like he works mm-hmm. that way at all. I mean, I some mean, of this was know. geometrically fascinating. Like the enchantress dresses, yeah, were, absolutely were absolutely mathematically fascinating. They were fantastic. Mm-hmm. I could deal without the nipple eyes, <laughs> <laughs> but um. <laughs> I mean, they, they were showing, and I don't know if this was Incubus or if it was a new god or what. He just says, he was just called God several different times. A god. Um, it looked like some sort of a uh, god-like creature with, with armor. So it may have been Incubus. But like inside you could see like what looked like hands like inside this dude's body. Mm-hmm. He had armor all over him. He had like a big staff. 
he looked some someone pointed out he looked a little like Steppenwolf. I didn't really agree with that. Um, but he had armored and non-armored versions of this cat. It very it looked very psychedelic, very trippy, and I, God, like the that link to with Enchantress to Apocalypse kind of way better than what we actually got. I'm actually I actually like <laughs> Suicide Squad the movie way less now because of what we almost got. Yeah, it looked like they had ideas of, of tying it over into the greater universe and, and Justice League Part 1 and 2 and trying to set up boom tubes and a couple other things. And and for whatever reason, thought better of it. But mm-hmm. And look, that's how these things work. I'm not even holding it against them. You, when you're pitching ideas, you you, you pitch. It's any Anything sure. you've ever done, when you're every essay you've ever written, every creative writing exercise, especially, you, you brainstorm and you think big and then you pull back. Sure. But it's a shame the boom tube really got awesome. taken out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there were new gods <laughs> so uh you know i i understand but oh man what 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 an interesting thing this this suicide squad could have been it could have been the movie that actually just just and you know what the critics would have hated it for that they would have been like it doesn't make any sense all this new god bullshit nah. anyway uh, yeah <laughs> there's always going to be a song those guys are going to play though yeah so uh Anyway, moving on to Wonder Woman. Uh, apparently, a new Wonder Woman trailer has been classified. Mm-hmm. Um, it will run at... It has been approved for all audiences. It's going to be running 2 minutes and 24 seconds. Um, it should show up in the next month. One to six weeks, I would say. Um, well, the article would say. Uh, right. But it's the way it is. It is the way it is. Um, it's legitimate. It's not bad information. The, Right. The big guess is it'll be on either uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them or uh, Doctor Strange. Probably both. And I've been to many a Marvel movie hoping that the new uh, Warner Brothers product was going to be pitched and been disappointed. It may or may not be. Nothing. Yeah. I think you definitely have it by Fantastic Beasts because that's a Warner Brother property. And Mm -hmm. I'll be damned if it's not really cheap to pimp your own properties in trailers. Right. I, I think the... It's pretty much overhead that you pay for in that. But they may or may not put up the money to put it in front of Doctor Strange. We, they know it's yeah. going to be a big movie, but he's also... He is a little bit of a taking a chance kind of thing. Even with Cumberbatch, he's taken a, not even, a chance. Not even anyway. Not not anymore. That shit, he has... He's, like, Doctor Strange has broken records for opening day internationally. Oh, has at he? At this point. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. I'm, you know, I'm not... Don't wrong. I'm, I'm I a, literally already have my tickets. I'm there. I'm, I'm doing my part. <laughs> I don't. I, I'll see it later. But. Me and the wife are going to be there, and I kind of said, "Well, do you want to go see the the new uh, movie with the with you know, the with the comic books?" And you know, I always get that kind of indifferent look of, mm-hmm. "What's your selling point?" It's Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I'm there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, All right. So I don't know. I'm not. I, I will see Doctor Strange in theaters. I will. I just don't know when. I will see it Thursday at seven o'clock. I saw Civil War Central. some month and a half later, so... Yeah, you know. it took me about two weeks to get around to it, but... Yeah. I have time, and I'm going to do it. So, over to the theatrical version of The Flash here. Um, it was reported that dope con- uh, costume designer Patrick Milani uh, was joining Rick Famuyiwa for The Flash. However, today, it was widely dropped that Rick Famuyiwa has left The Flash. Mm-hmm. This is the second director the Flash has lost. It's getting a little scary, isn't it? Yeah. Um, 
So, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Are we at the point where we just say to Kevin Smith, you've made two good Flash episodes? It's time yeah. to step up and make an hour and a half episode. Maybe. Um, Famuyiwa had this to say, when I was approached by Warner Brothers in DC about the possibility of directing The Flash, I was excited about the opportunity to enter this amazing world of characters that I loved growing up and still do to this day. I was also excited to work with Ezra Miller, who is a phenomenal young actor. I pitched a version of the movie in line with my voice, humor, and heart. While it's disappointing that we couldn't come together creatively on the project, I remain grateful for the opportunity. I will continue to look for opportunities to tell stories that speak to a fresh generational, topical, and multicultural point of view. I wish Warner Brothers DC, John Berg, Jeff Johns, and Ezra Miller all the best as they continue their journey into the Speed Force. Um, That sounds very amenable. Sure. Uh, Yeah. Maybe it is. It it might be as simple as a a case of the, the first guy left... Maybe it's coincidence. Uh, the The first guy maybe left because he had his own internal problems with what was going on, and uh, maybe this guy's problem has a little bit to do with uh, the Batman vs Superman side effects. And and admittedly, we I don't know finally had to admit that there are absolute uh, consequences of that movie's reception. So yep. um, maybe it is just a matter of uh, wrong place, wrong time for one guy, and one guy not getting along, and it happens to be two now. And maybe we shouldn't worry as much. But man, two two directors mm. leaving is scary. Well, Mark Hughes at Forbes, uh, Forbes, Forbes, uh, Forbes. <laughs> uh, put out a tweet. dressed as a pirate right now. He put out a tweet probably an hour ago saying that for the worried fans, he is going to have an article about what's going on with DCU and with Flash. Um, Mark Hughes has ever since, ba- well, since before Batman v Superman has been the prevailing voice of of calm amongst the dc fans <laughs> some say to a fault but he's Apologist always writes Colin. really yeah they they do but mm-hmm. you know what he always writes really well thought out really um really measured articles and he and he talks to all the he talks to the people who comment in his article too like he he's in the me, he's in the comment section talking to people um good for him so yeah i i give him a lot of uh I give- if that's how he operates, I'll give that, Warner Brothers a little bit of credit for picking the right guy for that job. Oh, Mark Hughes? Mm-hmm. He's just a writer for Forbes. He's not associated oh, crap. with DC or with WB. Well, it's his own um, It's his own mission then. It's actually more impressive. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a big superhero fan. He's He was just covering Doctor Strange. So um, he's all aboard Doctor Strange. He's giving it glaring, uh, glaringly uh, positive reviews. So... Yeah, he's uh he's gonna have an article. We'll cover it next week on the show. I don't know what to think about this. I think that WB has got to stop having creative differences with people when they keep claiming they're a director-driven studio. <laughs> either tell, either tell us the truth that you're a guy, you have a guiding hand, and you're willing to let someone go if they don't fit into your mold, oh. or you know. Actually, let these people make the movie they want to make and fail. Maybe not. It it may just be a matter of quantity. Um, I don't have a count of how many times that's happened in Marvel's world, but I remember at least yes. Edgar Wright. Yes, and they haven't and actually, really I'm had glad to you brought up. account for apologize for that. I'm glad you brought up. He's in production on a couple of different things right now, but I can't think of someone better, anyone better to to make a Flash movie God, than Edgar Wright. <laughs> then Edgar Penn Wright? Absolutely not. Yeah. But look, I know Marvel. Look, I have no, I have no problem saying that Marvel is a studio-led company. The problem is that 
they've proven themselves. I trust that studio to do whatever. Kick a director out. They were wrong for the project. You know what I mean? Like, there are elements of Ant-Man that I, I still look at and go, yeah, Edgar Wright wrote that page. You directed it. But like, yeah. I know I know that. Like our buddy Matt over at the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. He he's still he's still groaning about Edgar Wright. Oh, I just I keep wondering what it would be like. No. No. You can't do that. <laughs> he wasn't right for the How can you say that? Because Marvel has done so well. They've done so well for us. <laughs> Their track record says that if he if they and the director disagreed, it was probably mm-hmm. in the best interest to get rid of him. Or I to, love DC. To, to split it. I love DC. I love that the books are killing it right now. Oh, they are. are. On the top of the sales. Yeah. Love all of that. That said, Warner Brothers kind of worries me a bit. And I don't believe this director-driven bullshit anymore. <laughs> they ch- <laughs> I just don't. I'm two directors Save down a smart Forbes. on a Flash movie, and I'm just not buying it anymore. Yeah. Is that where you are? Yeah. Save us, Mark Forbes. Tell me why I shouldn't be worried. Yeah. Please. <laughs> anyway. Um... Moving over to the Batman, uh, Teresa Palmer is apparently lobbying, campaigning to get uh, a chance at playing Talia al Ghul in the Batman. Now, she was almost Talia in George Miller's Justice League Mortal. Uh, Obviously, that project didn't go through. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, according to the rap, who usually has a pretty good good, uh, notion of what's happening... um, this is where uh, Umberto Gonzalez wound up um, from Heroic Hollywood. He says, Warner Brothers has no plans to include Talia al Ghul, nor her father Raish in the Batman, or any other DCEU movie for the foreseeable future. So, we don't have to worry about that. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely wise, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have, now, I've said before that they're not the most interesting characters available, and... They're not. They're overused right now. Just at this moment. They are. I hate to talk about Let's saturation, but they're overused. Let's get a little little get a little distance from the Dark Knight trilogy. And Arrow. And Arrow. Absolutely. I mean, Talia's not on Arrow. But, no, you know. she's not. But, uh, they, I mean, they pulled in Nyssa just to... Like, that proves my point. They pulled in Nyssa just to not have used Talia again. Yeah. Well. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we got word from Joe Manganiello that... The Batman was going to be shooting in the spring. Jeremy Irons, Jeremy Irons, is saying that it's going to shoot in the summertime. Um, he talked, in fact, with Brett Lang at Variety um, about his about Batman and Justice League. Um, Brent says, "Do you find bigger films like Batman v Superman as fulfilling as the smaller projects?" He says, "Less so because they're so slow. There's a lot of waiting around, and then a huge amount of publicity. One spends seventy percent of the time doing publicity, ten percent of the time filming, and twenty percent of the time waiting." I love working with Ben and Zack Snyder; they've been fun. Uh, Brent says, "What was your approach to Alfred? He seems more a man of action than previous takes on the character." Jeremy says, I remember an evening with Paul Getty, who was a neighbor of mine, now sadly dead. We drove up to his lovely house. A very nice gentleman opened up the car door. Then another very nice gentleman took the car and parked it somewhere. Another nice gentleman took my coat. And then another nice gentleman gave me a glass of champagne. And all those nice gentlemen were SAS. I thought, that's Alfred. He's a man who will take care of his boss, whether he's making coffee or pouring champagne or flying his airplane. Brent asks, when... Uh, will he have more to do in Justice League than he did in Batman v Superman? Jeremy says, similar, but then, of course, Ben's going to make a Batman film next summer. He promises me there's going to be a bit more of Alfred in that. In the Justice League, we have seven major lead characters, and I'm the butler to one of them. It's clear <laughs> I will not be dominating that film. 
That's really, that's realistic. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, finally, Brent says, were you upset by the harsh reviews for Batman v Superman? He says, not at all. I was very pleased by the numbers. Zack seems to get a hard time from the press, which is strange. I don't know if it has to do with the sort of secrecy that surrounds the making of it all, but the audience liked it, which in the end is all that matters. Now, this is somewhat contradictory to what he said when the film first came out. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, it was a bit muddled. Blah. Um, and that it deserved to have the bad reviews and stuff. But, you know, I'm sure someone got up his ass about that. So Even still, <laughs> you can watch something again or you can think about it for a while and decide differently. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, but it was a, it's a cool interview, and there's a lot more to it uh, that didn't have to do with DC that has to do with his current projects and his method of acting. And um, Actually, there was a quote in there that I almost almost left in, but it doesn't really have anything to do about how acting is very easy. And he just kind of comes off as snide, but it was it was funny. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. I, I just like his so breakdown of the percentage. That, that, mm-hmm. that sounds really deadly accurate for a, a big, one of these kinds of big films. Mm-hmm. So uh, Doug Lyman is talking about Dark Universe or Justice League Dark. Um, he was asked, are you excited about working on that? He says, yeah, I mean, first of all, I love those characters. And I love Warner Brothers. And I love Scott Rudin. And it's... You know, I get asked to come in and do things that are unconventional. If people want conventional, they don't come to me. It's why doing <laughs> Invisible was like right up my alley. Because how can you be conventional when there aren't even conventions that exist? And so you know when Warner Brothers wants to sort of turn the comic book genre on its head, they call me. And IGN says, would you say that's the goal with Dark Universe? He says, yeah. It's like, how do you fundamentally, in- how do you fundamentally reinvent what people are doing? And that's the good and the bad news of this sort of box they put me in. Or I've been put in. I mean, you'd think it was by design, but it wasn't. It is exactly what I should be doing, but I'm just so grateful that, you know, sometimes I'm working on a project and I pitch an idea that's too conventional, and the producers will say to me, that's not Doug Lyman enough, which is like a weird thing, because I'm like, well, well, that it, it was my idea. How can you say it's not me? And they're like, no, because when we think of you, we think of like, you know, that just seems too ordinary. So even if I wanted to be a little bit more conventional, like the system don't want me to be, but since I do treat every project as a form of a film school, okay, I haven't done that genre, and how am I going to do it, and how am I going to do it in a way that no one's done it before? So that's, you know, I haven't done a comic book film, and that's, am I going to do it in a new way that's unlike what anyone else has ever done and come up with a couple of rules for myself of what we're not going to do that other people do. That just automatically puts you on a new track. Same way with the Born Identity. I promised myself I wasn't going to have a widge, which is a term they use in film school. W-I-J, Woman in Jeopardy. I went to USC Film School briefly, which is a very traditional film school, and a lot of the graduates end up making big Hollywood movies. And they're like, look, the third act, you have a widge. All moves, you know, all movies have a widge in the third act. A woman in a woman in jeopardy. That's how you know you're in the third act. Is a woman in jeopardy. And going into the born identity, I told Matt Damon one day, or sorry, on day one, when I met him the first time to convince him to do the movie, I was like, "We're not going to have a widge." I didn't have a script yet. I said, "I'm not going to have a widge. We're just we're just not going to take that take the woman hostage." I don't know how I'm going to end the movie, <laughs> but I can tell you right now, the CIA is not going to grab Franca Potent. Mm-hmm. And IGN says, so the same rule applies going forward. And he's like, yeah. And then you figure out, well, these rules sometimes exist for a reason. The cliches exist for a reason (laughs) because we actually were having trouble ending Born Identity. And I was like, at some point I was like, fuck, the CIA should just grab her. 
It solves all of our problems. <laughs> I was like, there's a reason there's that there's that rule. And Matt was like, you promised me no witch. And I was like, you're right. I did promise you no witch. Okay, back to the drawing board. I'll find so, a way, Matt. So I have some rules like that for myself for Dark Universe. And the beauty of Invisible is I didn't have to rebel against anything else. Because there just wasn't anything else. It must have been like making movies in the 20s or things like that. Where you just don't, where you just like make the rules. And I do want to mention this. He says, IGN says, is Edge of Tomorrow still underway? And he goes, yeah. And IGN says, that's exciting. And Lima says, yeah, I'm going to revolutionize, revolutionize how people make sequels. <laughs> <laughs> and IGN says, I would love for you to expand on that. And Lima says, I can't, but it will. You mark my words. <laughs> I liked Edge of I liked Edge of Tomorrow. I really did. I like this guy's gumption. That's like he's got a sack on balls him. right That's, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I liked Edge of Tomorrow. It was an interest. It was an interesting film, and I don't I don't like Tom Cruise. So for me to say Edge of Tomorrow was good, that you should take that at the bank. Right. Um, I, I didn't even I know just, they were going to do Edge of Tomorrow too. I just kind of liked that they. At this point, he's like disappointed when he he goes to pitch an idea, and the the studios of all people, the studio people say, "Oh, well, you didn't blow my mind enough." <laughs> so I, I like I like his gumption, man. I I'm a little afraid they're gonna have creative differences. <laughs> yeah, because I want to see what he does with Justice League Dark. Yeah, I agree. So on that intriguing note, we finish out our movie news. Yeah, dear lord. Okay. Um. Yeah. Before we end our first exclusively DCEU news episode, though, we did have one review this week uh, from Superhero Ethics. They say, like having a beer with friends after watching a show, some of my favorite memories from college were watching superhero movies or TV shows with my friends and then spending hours afterward talking about them. What we liked, what we hated, what did or didn't fit the canon, how we thought it set up the next episode or movie, etc. This podcast is like one of those discussions. They are funny, insightful, and make me excited to watch DC things just so I can hear their take on it. That's very nice. Thank you, dude. That is. Um, now, if we ever convince guy... him to watch Lucifer, that's like a life accomplishment. <laughs> right. This guy actually messaged us on Facebook. He has his own podcast, um, he and his buddy, and it's called Superhero Ethics. And I actually got a chance to listen to one episode this week. Uh, they have an episode out. I think it's the newest episode called uh, Killing President Luthor. <laughs> they talk about the ethics of Superman uh, taking down Lex Luthor. Um, now I, I do highly recommend this podcast, but I will say it's going to have to be one of those situations where I say the views, the views of the superhero ethics do not re necessarily represent the views of DC on screen. <laughs> We've gone to great lengths to say that we don't support any political party. We don't want to talk about what our political views are. Hell, half the time, I'm not even sure we know what our political views are completely. It's so vague. Um, <laughs> it's so vague and anger-filled, but we just stay away from it on the show. Uh, super <laughs> Superhero ethics, though, they get deep into their own political shit, man. Like, yeah. they're just saying whatever the hell they feel like. Uh, but even on this episode, on that episode, they were actually, the one I listened to, they were actually cracking about like, hey, look, you don't have to be super liberal to listen to this show because <laughs> they are very, very anti-Trump mm -hmm. and almost like very, um, like, I think the, the host of the show, is, he actually called himself an anarchist. So <laughs> <laughs> he's just very anti-government. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun because they're joking about like the title of their episode being Killing President Luthor. 
and they're like, we shouldn't be talking about killing the president. Like we're going to have the NSA show up at our door. And it's <laughs> like, as they're talking about it, the police actually show up at the guy's door because some neighbor called him in and we're like, there's, there's fighting. And there's like, no, we were arguing. We're on a podcast. It's, it's, it's not that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, that was very interesting podcast though. I I, I I had a lot of fun. I heard the same to it. one. I um, yeah, it they're they're good. I I kind of it, all right. Uh, given how he related, I I enjoyed those conversations too. Like I I had a uh, I got a philosophy degree and and uh, or my minor. And damn it, man, I love those kind of. Uh, they really are the mm-hmm. most poignant and pointless conversations you can possibly have. <laughs> yeah, where you can literally <laughs> take a side. Just because you think it's fun, try to argue it as best you can, and then just for no damn good reason, switch sides. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this was one of yeah. those conversations that I would have gladly had, where where you 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 walk out of a philosophy class, you um you're, you're talking to somebody, you you sit down for a cup of coffee, you don't realize that your coffee's even cold, and you're still fucking arguing with each other. There's no mm-hmm. hate there; you're just arguing for the fun of arguing. It's rhetoric. Yeah. But I enjoyed the hell out of that that aspect of this. Um. And it's one of the things I've always loved about comics, man, is these people aren't just, they're not just characters. They don't have just personal motivations. I love exploring all the personal motivations, and that's the psychology in me. Mm-hmm. But I love exploring oh, yeah. the, the philosophy of what a Superman should or shouldn't do and what a Batman should or shouldn't do. Those are some of my favorite topics. Yeah. And, uh, God, me and you have spent hours bullshitting about them. It was <laughs> it was fun to hear somebody else bullshit about them for a little while. It was. It was it was a lot of fun, and like I said, you don't have to agree with them and their uh, political beliefs, um, which they do tout over and over again. No, and um, anybody that wants to, you know, ask me privately about my political beliefs, I'll, um, you know, be happy to tell you whatever <laughs> bullshit I've come up with that week because we live in a strange world, and you just have to adjust constantly. But you know. Overall, just keep an open mind and listen to these these guys, and and you, you're going to explore a lot of viewpoints. <laughs> and that's I, I more important than having beliefs. I, I promise you. One of my uh, one of my favorite bits from the show was near the end, uh, where one guy's like, eh, "If you want to, <laughs> if you want to tell us how you're wrong, <laughs> <laughs> write us that." And they both, yeah, they both crack up. He's like, "Yeah, I, I mixed up my pronouns. It was a subject." I'm like, "Oh, good grammar humor too." Okay. So I, I look forward to listening to more of these guys. They're they're a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were. Um, sorry, I can't remember names. I'm real bad with names. I'll have to go back and look at the message. I didn't prepare. Uh, I didn't prepare properly because I'm a shitty host, as we've as we've ascertained the entire way. Uh, by the way, <laughs> um, Rick GRX, the winner of the second giveaway, did get in contact with us, and his request was Batman Hush. Good request. Uh, Amazon, good. absolutely. Amazon informed me it was delivered earlier this week. So uh, you too could be a winner, like Rick and John before him. Leave us a five-star written review on iTunes, and you'll be entered into the contest. One in ten wins a $15 DC Comics trade paperback DVD or Blu-ray of your choice. So do that. We're going to come right back with a DC TV news episode. Thank you for listening to DC On Screen. You can find every episode of DCOnScreen.com. We are on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter? Twitter. Twitter. I still not. I feel like I'm not saying that. Twitter at DC on screen. You can contact the show through those means or by emailing us at DC on screen at gmail.com. You can also contact me via Twitter, via Twitter at David C. Robertson. One word. Um, until next time, guys, keep some DC on your screen.
me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Look around you. That car you're driving, that house your family lives in, making your daughter laugh, inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive, teaching him he can be anything, all you. And your dreams for tomorrow, you'll do that too. Legacies don't just happen, they are made by you. The important word being you. American Family Insurance, protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.